Hello, listeners. It's Philip here. I'm with my cousin Mark and my brother Peter, and we're about to recap the U.S. Open. Um, if you're following at Doubles Alley Pod on Twitter, uh, I think uh, the best recap of the Open was one of our tweets. It was, um, in 10 years, people are going to look at the scoreline of this final match and think it was a great match, but uh, just so <laughs> you know, it wasn't. Um, and so, like, team played the absolute worst match I've ever seen him play. And he somehow still won the U.S. Open because Sverev played even worse. So <laughs> we, we always start the podcast with a prompt. Um, so, so this one was the first prompt. It was, uh, have you ever come out victorious in something just in total spite of yourself? Like just pl played your absolute worst but still won. But that was actually too hard to prompt because none of us could actually um, <laughs> think of something. No, we just didn't as... want to admit it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we just didn't want to admit it. We we have plenty of examples, but it was too painful to admit. Yeah, may, yeah. Maybe Mark has an example, but uh, I don't <laughs> win win at things very often. So I I I, I literally have no examples. Um, and uh, so so we, we we came up with something easier. So Mark, Mark, what what did you say the prompt was? So the prompt is when we've been compelled, either in the immediate family or immediate circles or just in general, to celebrate what seemed like a grand accomplishment, but when you re when you when you kind of assessed or um, calculated the process by which the grand accomplishment took place, it wasn't that impressive. But you know, you you played the part and and you offered profuse congratulations anyway. Yeah. Yeah, and just to tie that into the U.S. Open, I mean, everyone's congratulating Dominic Team like he's a Grand Slam champion because he is a and Grand Slam he champion. Came, he won a thrilling match that was just, you know, um, <laughs> riveting from the start a la 2008 Wimbledon. It actually, it actually... If you just read some of the tweets... The, the, the only people, good thing about that match was the suspense. Like... I had no idea who was going to, like, choke harder. <laughs> also, um, it did get entertaining towards the end of the fifth set. Yeah. Um, like, some of the points in the tie break were pretty good, even though there were multiple double faults by Zvera. <laughs> <laughs> um, which, which was fun like, to watch. Like, like teams, teams sec the second-to-last rally where team was just drilling backhands to yeah. Zvera. And yeah, Zverev the 6-6 six, six point. Yeah. Yeah. And teams like hook forehand as well were pretty fun were pretty good. But yeah, let's yeah. let's uh let's uh Peter do you have an example of just like playing the part of giving congratulations? Yeah, I've a I've a I've a good decent example of that. My my first example of winning when I didn't really deserve it was is um I at nationals and squash one year and i made the consolation finals in my down year um partly because somebody who has never who i've never beaten um in like over a hundred tries defaulted, <laughs> um in the consolation semifinals so i got sixth in the country in my down year at nationals one year 
Um, another, uh, but the in terms of playing the part um, and giving kudos when, you know, that was the thing to do. Um, I think it it's probably goes back to both high school and college. Um, not being on the football team, um, <laughs> but, be, but being around football players who were not actually that athletic, but had huge <laughs> egos about their athleticism. And just, just being like, oh, yeah, great game, man. Being, like, pumped for their accomplishments. Even <laughs> though, like, probably deep down, especially in college, but um, I was, I was like, if I'm going to be totally honest, I was really hoping that those guys would lose most of the time <laughs> just because... I didn't, I didn't want their egos to be more inflated than they are even when they lose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a good example. I have, I have a college... Hey, I, uh, I have a high my school... My conscience so much clearer. My conscience is so much clearer after you just, just said that, Peter. For years, <laughs> I've harbored uh, a, a big sort of self-resentment over feeling exactly the same way. You know? And now I, just, now I feel much better. I realize I'm not alone. Thanks for that. You're welcome. Yeah. Yeah, I have a high school and college example, I guess, for giving congratulations. Uh, in high school, when, like, someone who was sort of, like, middle of the class got into Harvard because he's, like, a quadruple legacy, uh, I mean, you really have to go through the motions of saying, congratulations, you deserved it. But um, there were about 20 people better than him. Um, and then... Uh, like, in our school. Not, not to mention the rest of the country. Yeah, yeah, just in our class, yeah. And then uh, and then in college, just, like, the whole, like, college graduation thing is, uh, at least uh, for my demographic, kind of, like, a virtual certainty. Like, getting into college is hard, but, like, spending four years at, like, the country club that is Princeton University is not hard. It's actually, I, I was sort of feeling the reverse. I w it sucked to be graduated. <laughs> but, but we went, we went through the, uh, the motions and said congratulations and all that. I think it's even more extreme at grad school because I actually found undergrad to be pretty challenging academically. But in grad school, um, like at least <laughs> business school and like policy school and stuff, um, to have people from diverse backgrounds attend, which is desired, like diverse professional and diverse like academic backgrounds, most of the classes need to be really dumbed down. And like there are like 98% graduation rates um, for those who just don't drop out because they got a sweet job and don't want to keep paying the tuition. And, and I, um, I, I did like a double uh, major, a three-year program, um, and I just didn't go to my business school graduation because I didn't want to do two graduations in a row where I was just like, come on now, the most impressive part isn't graduating, it's getting in. Yeah, you, you got to do a really good celebratory dinner when you get in, but like the graduation is a bit overblown. So, guys, you've given me the perfect segue for my story. Getting in is the operative um, <laughs> verb. 
So, and uh, you can sort of see where this is going, but, you know, my wife and I have had two kids now, and both times, you know, when we announced to others that we were pregnant, I mean, I was pretty proud of myself, but then when I really think about it, when people congratulate me and I, my contribution to the effort, I sort of want to say, to be honest with you, it didn't really take much. You 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 just you just uh, stuck it in the oven, and nine months later, you uh, opened the door. I just got <laughs> mark it, mark you cut out, but it's probably a good thing. Um, yeah, so let's let's go let's go to tennis. <laughs> uh, I guess speaking of babies, uh, we can talk about Zverev some more. I guess uh, his parents weren't at the U.S. Open. That was a storyline. Um, and then, uh, yeah, uh, his runner-up speech was actually the one time I've ever... Yo, Mark, Mark's still talking about baby-making. Um, yeah, anyway, um, when Mark's... When Mark's reception comes back on, we'll alert him to the fact that we've uh, moved forward. Um, yeah. So, Peter, um, what were your takeaways from? Let's talk. Let's continue talking about the final. What were your takeaways from the final? Um, from the final, well, two, the two days after my daughter was born. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like uh, Mark's uh, Mark's uh, phone is on uh, is delayed a bit, so so please ignore. Yeah. So my takeaway from the final was that um, some of it was entertaining, like the fifth set really. Um, the scoreline is extremely impressive. Um, probably the as close as it gets to like the classic awesome match scoreline. Um, I I kind of expected this match to be honest to be low quality because for whatever reason um, team has a really tough time uh, peaking against Vera. Like I remember um, they also played each other um, for teams uh first in, a, in the finals of a Masters 1000. Yeah. Where, where, where team, it would have been team's first Masters 1000 and team just like shat the bed, even though it was on clay, which is team's like best surface. But and they the did, surface. they did play at the Australian Open semifinal and that was a really high quality match, but I guess the trophy wasn't on the line. Wait, so Zverev won He's made the semis in the final of a Grand Slam this year. Yeah. I, I'd forgotten he was in the Aussie semi. Yeah, and it was a really good match. Like, yeah. I wish they had, like, transplanted that match to, to the U.S. Open final. Yeah. So Zverev is officially back. But, um, and he's officially over his Grand Slam hump. Yeah, but, I think we can say that. 
I mean, but... there's a there there's no asterisk in the fact that like Dynamic's team is now a full Grand Slam champion, but the draws were incredibly watered down. So I I don't expect everyone's now talking about how like oh a team could reel off like five. No, because Djokovic and Nadal are going to be in the draws. You know. Yeah, exactly. So, um, one of the ways this is re- kind of frustrating is that the the hope was always that um, when the big three stop winning, it'll be because the level of play goes up. And here it was clearly the d- level of play went down, and it almost feels like it was a default champion. On the flip side, uh, team has beaten the members of the big three in Grand Slams and extremely high-quality matches. He's a worthy champion. Um, and a, there would be a lot more champions if this wasn't the Big Three era. Um, but it's a little disappointing that um, this is how it was done. But, you know, it's not always the... Um, it, it's, it's not always... The, uh, the, picture, the, the the fairy tale story, right? It's, um, he played everyone who was in front of him in the draw. Um, the two guys who had beaten six people squared off. And in a tennis match, you only have to be better than the person um, you're playing against on a given day. Yeah. Um, but he, I guess... He, his, team his, team also always, played six... Six really good matches, whereas Sverev sort of tripped and fell, and when he was able to stand up again, he was in the finals. But he 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 beat six people. Yeah. And I think what really taints it though is that um, usually it's just how Djokovic was uh, was exited from the 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 draw. It's it's not like. It's not like anyone really believes that the two guys in the finals were the two best players in the tournament. Yeah, except Sverev. Sverev, uh, before his uh, press conference, in this press conference before the finals, he said, uh, yeah, it's great that the two best players in the world are uh, competing for the biggest title in the world. Wow. <laughs> I can't believe he said that. Yeah. I, I sort of feel like he was intentionally trolling. Because yeah. you can't actually believe that. Um but maybe it's like that mentality that's got him where he is. So you can't you can't really be mad at him because uh yeah, confidence is good in sports, especially irrational confidence. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how these guys do at the French. Um, I, I think that, because uh, Team and Zvera, if you're listing, like, the top play court players in the world, the list probably goes Nadal, Djokovic, Team, uh, Federer is Zverev. And Sitsipas is pretty good too, but I mean Zverev is probably is more accomplished. Zverev is a lot more proven. What about Stan? Is he is Zverev better than Stan? Yes, now. Um, 
like, of course. Zverev does very well on clay. And so, Federer's uh, not going to be in the French Open. And so that means Zverev and, and, and team are two of the four best players who will be in the draw in terms of just, like, if everyone's fresh and playing well. But they're not, they're probably not, they're like, I'll be shocked if they're fresh and playing well. Um, even if they're physically recovered, mentally, it usually takes a few weeks to recover from a Grand Slam final. Especially after and, you uh, lose 7-6 uh, in the fifth after double faulting twice in the final set tiebreak. And yeah. serving for the match in the final set and losing at 15. Yeah, I think Team has a better chance than Zverev at rebounding. Also, partly because Team is the better clay court player. Um, but it, assuming that both of them have a lot of difficulty, like I can't imagine just how exhausted Team would be if he made the semis and then had to play Djokovic. Um, I, just, I guess the point I'm getting at is I will be shocked if it's not a Nadal-Djokovic final at the French Open. Yeah, I agree with that totally. Like, uh, like, uh, I think, like, that Djokovic would have won this tournament, and I think he he's going to come back just like, he's going to storm through the draw uh, in the French Open. He's going to take no prisoners. And Nadal, uh, I can, I can, he, he, he forewent playing in the U.S. Open just to like, just to like, uh, prepare for this because this is number twenty for him. So it's like that'll be an interesting clash, I think. Uh, yeah, that I would. I mean, I'm not a betting man, but like, my God, I think the only. Nadal catching COVID is, like, the only thing I can see, like, uh, either an injury or, like, Nadal catching COVID is, are the only things that uh, I can see getting in the way of that final. Like, yeah, because team is, like, the one guy who can, who can push either of them on clay, and he's just not going to be fresh. Yeah, and Federer... Federer isn't playing. Yeah, Federer could sometimes beat Djokovic on clay, but he he's not going to be playing. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I feel like I'm just surprised that Medvedev doesn't have better clay results. Like, I could see him being just a bitch to hit through on clay. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, I wonder why that is. Um Yeah, I think part of what's hard about playing Medvedev is that he uh, hits so flat. Um, yeah. And maybe his defense is good on every surface, but his offense might not be as potent on clay. Yeah, but he only became this Medvedev, like, hard court season of last year. So he hasn't really had a clay court season to... to um, once he's up to his level. Yeah. Yeah, he, he could be an X-Factor. And I also think Tsitsipas could be an X-Factor. 
Um, but yeah, those are the only two guys who might push Nadal and Djokovic, and there's no way they're either is going to beat Nadal or Djokovic. Yeah. Unless it, there's an injury. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so in a way, the, the French Open will not be interesting until the final. Sorry, listeners. Um, sorry, sorry to uh, spoil it for you. Um, but I guess every tournament is interesting for the uh, for the many epiphanies along the way. Um, and what were some of those in the U.S. Open for you? Um, I think one. I think Carreno Busta, like he um he 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 played really well. Like, he, he was up two sets to love in a semifinal of a Grand Slam. He beat a very tough Denis Shapovalov in the quarters. Um, he, he was the one who was on the other side of the net when Djokovic had his um, moment of frustration. And he was the one who caused that moment of frustration. Um, I'm wondering if this is... If, if he's, like, going to be a factor going forward or um, if he's somebody who can – if he's, like, uh, Arnaud Clement or Sebastian Grosjean who, like, is a tough out and will have his occasional, like, semi but is is not going to be a top ten mainstay. Yeah, he's he, he has warning track power to me. Like, I, I – I think this is his last Grand Slam semifinal. Yeah. And it should be zero. The number should be zero. Uh, he, his, Shapovalov, his, right? his win against Shapovalov was a legit result. But, I mean, he, he, had, he, was, he was going to lose to Djokovic. And then his first Grand Slam semi, he played four straight wild cards. And I guess... Shapovalov was his big scalp that time as well. But, uh, yeah, the, the watered-down draw and just, like, things breaking his way, um, it's happened twice at the U.S. Open. But, uh, I mean, he's, he's, he's a grinder. He, he's a hard out. But um, quarterfinals should be his ceiling, I think. And yeah. he shouldn't get there very often. <laughs> um, I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, I think Rublev's uh, exercising his demons against uh, Berrettini was a good win for him. Uh, he lost to Berrettini last year, and he beat him this year. Um and I guess the uh, Medvedev-Rublev match was actually... I w I'm not going to say hidden gem, because I think like a lot of people had that circled on their draw draws as one to tune into. It was only three sets, but it was a very good three sets. Um, yeah, uh, Medvedev had two of those matches, because the team match too. Yeah, um, both final sets were tie breaks, and like deep tie breaks. Like, I'm wondering if um, if if Team was actually better than Medvedev, or if he just had the better draw. Yeah, 
Um, I watched that match. Um, team was like mentally tougher. I was really um worried going into the third set that team had uh seriously injured himself because he he sort of jammed his Achilles. Um, and Medvedev was up a break in both the second and third sets, but couldn't close. Like he was just sort of mentally weak in that match, and team was uh not playing his best but like a mental like you could sort of see his experience of having played the big three he sort of yeah he brought his level um mentally which actually had me excited for the final i thought team 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 sort of knew how to inhabit his like ultra intense grand slam semi grand slams final mental mental space and then it just didn't happen which was a little bit disappointing because he, he did have the mental uh the mentality in his semifinals so yeah i was hoping now, he would bring it again the, here's the thing though um i feel like people have a finite number of those matches in a tournament like with nadal he probably has two of those in a, in a, in a tournament like if he has a particularly tough draw He's probably not going to win because he, he just doesn't have like three of those matches in him. But do you think it's physical or mental? I think Nadal always has the mental uh, side. It's just the physical he can sort of deteriorate. <clears throat> yeah, I agree with that. Like and Nadal's intensity both. is like pretty pretty. It's like the last thing that goes. <laughs> Whereas in team's press conference, he sort of basically admitted that he was nervous. It was was nothing physical. It was just totally nerves. He's been in three Grand Slam finals, but he was always the huge underdog, like playing Rafa on clay. He was, it would have been like, he could be free because he wasn't supposed to win. Um, Against Novak on hard court, same thing. But then he realized that he had a real opportunity um, today. And uh, he just didn't know when the next time he he would have a Grand Slam final without having to play Novak or Rafa would be. And he sort of like tightened up, which makes a lot of sense. But it also, uh, he came really close to winning that Australian Open final. And maybe just like, that mentality was holding him back against Novak. Just the fact that he wasn't expected to win. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's sort of telling about more than one match um, team has played. But I just, going back to my point, like remember the team, Nadal's quarterfinal, like two or three years ago, then Nadal had like nothing for his Del Potro semi. Yeah, do you think that was physical or mental, though? I think it was both. Like, Nadal gets ultra-intense, but it's really hard to, like, do that again and do that again. Um, Unless you just have, like, everyone's hungry, but if you have that, like, extra fire in the belly, then maybe. And if you have youth, then maybe. Yeah, he was able to do it, Verdasco, then Federer in 2009, but he was, like, 24 years old or something. He also just 
ran train through that draw and killed the Verdasco match. Yeah. Um, I think part of it may have been, the part of the mental block against Del Potro may have been that he knew he wouldn't beat Djokovic even if he beat Del Potro. Yeah, it's like, okay, I, uh, I, uh, a Del Potro with legs has a better chance against Novak than Arafa without legs. So, so, so let him, let the best, uh, opponent, uh, try and, try and take him down. Yeah. So I guess getting back to like Medvedev, I, Medvedev just had a tougher draw than like team did. And I think he might may just not have had as much in the tank getting um, in that match to sort of have that uh, ha- have that strength in the tough moments. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's, uh, let's a few more like I guess good results from the U.S. Open. Uh, Alex D. Menor, who made. The uh, the quarterfinals. That's a good result for him. I think that's his first Grand Slam quarter. Yeah, and the quarterfinals were really interesting because there were a lot of like talented young players who were sort of uh, who were um, realizing what a lot of people had considered their potential for forever, um, and that even. That even um, speaks to Borna Chorich, who, along with Zverev, those were like the two 18-year-old young guns back in the day who were top 15 players. And they were supposed to be multi, multiple-time Grand Slam champions by now. And yeah. so it was interesting seeing them match up in the quarters. Um Denis Shapovalov, he, he made the quarters. Um, he's seen as a young talent. Same with uh, Demonor. And um, then in the round of 16, uh, Felix Auger-Aliassime, um, he, got, he got just destroyed by Dominic Team, But he did have some promising um, showings against Andy Murray and among others. Um, and his, his level, it, it was, it was actually really, um, it was really interesting because he looked unbelievable going into this, the round of 16. And then he just, it was just clear when he played team that he has multiple levels to go. Yeah. Team um, just like totally overpowered him. Team just was hitting the shit out of the ball and Felix couldn't, couldn't take it. Yeah. And, and, uh, it's this kind of thing where um, it was clear that the round of 16, it was either the round of 16 was a, a round too far for him or the quarters would have been around too far for him. Or um, I would have been interested. It would have been interesting if he had played a different player because um, I, I wonder like, if he had played Zverev, what have, what would have happened? Yeah, yeah. Also, like Sitsipas was a uh, round of sixteen, and so were Berrettini and Tiafo. So, like, there were a lot of young guys in the quarters, but there were even more in the round of sixteen. Um, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure uh, uh, Sitsipas lost to Chorich in the third round. 
Was that? Oh, that wasn't round of sixteen. Yeah, so that okay. was a great match. Yeah. Since okay. the pass was up five one double break in the fourth set, um, and he had multiple match balls, <laughs> and he just choked the fourth set away and lost in five. Uh, th- there was so much choking this tournament. Yeah, maybe maybe the break is means that uh, people aren't as mentally tough as they as they have been in previous. If they were sort of in match shape. Yeah, that's that's probably accurate. Um, yeah, cool. Any it more? Me, that, that's the only thing really that makes me nervous for Nadal. Um, he's just not in match shape right now. Yeah, he he's a confidence player. He 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 sort of uses the entire entire clay court season to build up. That's why I sort of want him to win Rome, but I also don't want him to win Rome because uh, like it just makes his chances of getting COVID higher. I think I don't know. I don't even know if that's true, but uh, I think that's. That's his big. That's his toughest opponent right now. Is just not getting the virus. Yeah. Um. But I think uh, one of one of the takeaways from from uh, the U.S. Open is that the guys who didn't who underperformed in Cincinnati uh, did really well at the U.S. Open and vice versa. So there could be something like team lost six two six one in the second round of Cincinnati. Um, I think there's something to be said for just like losing early and moving on to the real tournament. I mean, Novak won Cincinnati and would have won New yeah, York. Yeah, but Novak Novak doesn't count. Like, yeah, I mean he went, so yeah, he does well in every else. tournament. Yeah, but like for the for the mortals out there, who who was runner up in Cincinnati again? Um, Ranich. Oh yeah, and he 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 plopped a stinker in uh, <laughs> in New York, um, and uh, yeah. Anyway, so uh, I guess we started talking about clay court season a little bit. Um, what are you? What are you anticipating and looking forward to in like the next week uh, or in two weeks? Uh, I'm just looking forward to Nadal in the draw. I mean, he's my favorite player. Um, but I think I'm, yeah, I'm I'm also looking forward more generally to like a fuller draw. Like Monfils uh, and Wawrinka weren't playing. I think Nishikori might might be playing. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I think Nishikori's in. Um, yeah, so it's gonna be it's gonna feel like a fuller draw. Yeah. Um. So there's. And uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see. Uh, I think that, and it's really, I mean, the French Open is an awesome Grand Slam. I am wondering. Um, how the weather plays into the French Open. Um, We're having a heat wave right now. It got up to 93, which it never does in September today. And if you if you look at your weather app, it's probably, for the next, like, 10 days, it's going to be up to the 80s. But then 
it looks like it's going to dip after that. So, yeah, like, right as the French Open gets underway. Yeah, I was thinking about this, like, in that one final, in that one match between Nadal and Djokovic where the weather was, like, 64 degrees, uh, it really swung to Djokovic's favor. Nadal prefers hotter weather because it makes his ball bounce higher. Oh. Yeah, good point. Uh, I've always thought, no, Nadal is a really good wind player, though. Yeah. And, and yeah, if we just get that unseasonably, like, cold, cool and windy uh, autumn day. Um, it might also um, rain a shit ton, because, like... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be interesting, just the, the difference between early June and early October um, and how that affects um, things at Roland Garros. Um, yeah, might play to Djokovic's favor. Hopefully he, uh, like, hits another lines person. Uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully another lines person takes a charge again, like Kyle Lowry style. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what if Djokovic does something, does like another thing that pisses people off? Yeah, I wouldn't mind. <laughs> yeah, I think part of my frustration with Djokovic getting axed from the U.S. Open is that Nadal wasn't there to take advantage of it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, what sucks is that like an unworthy like uh, suitor ended up with the prize i mean team's not unworthy it's just i wish he played better or i wish he'd had to beat nadal yeah but i mean even if he had played better without beating any of those guys it would have been i mean he he's he's taken his lumps you know he's had his but big moments say, imagine if he beat nadal in the semis like i wouldn't care how badly he played in the final yeah that's true yeah, there are things, team, there are things that would have, uh, so, like, okay, a Grand Slam title is a Grand Slam title, but some Grand Slam titles are, have, have greater cachet than others. Like, Wawrinka's French Open title is unassailable. He just, he just had an enormous level. Whereas, like, the Thomas Johansson uh, Australian Open is maybe the the least, uh, the least, uh, I don't know what the word is, I'll just say respected um, result uh, I can remember. Uh, and there's, I, like... I think you're just spoiled from the big three, because there were a lot of, like... Um... Like, remember, like, Martin Verkirk getting to the finals of the French Open? But he didn't win it. <laughs> but, like, does the person who beat... I think Magnus Norman won it. Is he just not a worthy champion because he's his draw sucked? Like, like Agassi's French Open championship, he played nobody. I think Kyrton won it. Um, yeah, Magnus Norman never won a Grand Slam. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think he got to the finals, too. Anyways, though, like, the Agassi example. Yeah, he played Medvedev, uh, Andre Medvedev. He was down 2-0 to, like, 
an unseeded player and beat nobody in the process of winning. Yeah, I mean, and, if you're a legend, like, okay, you've proved you've proven yourself already. You're just you're just uh, running up the score, and it would have been nicer if you had been challenged a bit more. But like, uh, nobody's gonna take anything away from you. Um, but like, I mean, the like, French Opens in the of the past, like Mariano Puerto's won one. Yeah, and the, the Nadal U.S. Open over Kevin Anderson was an easy, an easy result. Um, the one where Novak had like four withdrawals and then beat Monfils in the semis was uh, was not um, the greatest tournament. But I mean, they're Novak, they're Novak and Rafa. Like they've they've shown themselves in bigger moments. So you you give them. No, what I'm saying is that you're spoiled by Rafa and Novak. And if you look back to, like, 90s draws, you'll be surprised by how early a lot of the top seeds got out in some of them. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there were a lot more random Grand Slam champions back in the day. Like, Peter Corda won a Grand Slam. Um, Juan Carlos Ferrero won a Grand Slam. Uh... Yeah, there, there. Tennis, tennis has had its dark ages. Thank God, Milos Raonic never won his uh, random Grand Slam. Uh, yeah. Anyways, I think that's a good place to stop, um, listeners. We've got uh, a good week in Rome coming up. I don't think we're gonna preview it just because there's been a lot of tennis recently. Um, I also sort of see this as, even though it's Masters 1000, it's not quite a Masters 1000 in 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 in, menta- in mentality. It's more just like a warm up for the French. Um, but we we should we will be back for a French Open draw preview when that when that arrives. Um, and until then, you know, if you if you agree with us or there was anything we said that you particularly disagree with uh hit us up on twitter at doubles alley pod um and give us a five-star review um thanks again for listening and without further ado la bomba <laughs>